Le'Veon Bell at the time was not reporting to camp for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And this was before it was decided that he was not going to play the entire year. Mm-hmm. He tweeted out a cryptic text uh, with a hand emoji that said, farewell, Miami. So I came up with the idea to put Andrew Hawkins, who's a former NFL player, uh, who was our host for the night. Let's green screen him into clubs and parties that Le'Veon Bell has been at in Miami. And for those that don't know, like, on TV, they probably wouldn't have rolled for that. Like, we showing a, a football player in the club and the music videos. They probably would say, no. Snapchat, they were like, great idea, Deontay. Do it. Many of you may know, I spent two years at the worldwide leader, ESPN. When you work there, you become a part of a family. Even when you are an alumni, as myself, you meet other people and you instantly click because you know the similar struggles, what it took to get there, what it was like being there. You know, because it's a place where everybody wants to work. Don't get me wrong. But there's a lot of challenges. My next guest, Deontay Smith, spent a great time, great deal of his career there. He, too, is an alum. He's now with the XFL. And as you know, the XFL was back up and running. So I'm very excited to have him on here as he discusses his journey, some of his trials and tribulations at ESPN, what it's like to work at the XFL, especially considering it didn't do so well the first go round nearly 20 years ago. So ladies and gentlemen, sit back and listen to this great conversation with Deontay Smith. All right, ladies and gentlemen, as promised, I have the one, the only Deontay Smith joining me on the line right now. Deontay, what's good, my brother? What's good, Brian, man? Thanks for having me. I'm truly honored to be here, and let's get it. Man, you know, I definitely appreciate you taking the time out. Uh, you know, we've both been on the grind when I reached out to you about this. Uh, it was right after I saw your XFL video, and I believe you was in Houston at the time, right? Yeah, man. I was down in Houston for the XFL's training camp. We were in Houston for three and a half weeks. Woo, wow. Long time. <laughs> yeah, so we're going to get into that. But let's get started, uh, Deontay. So you... You know, you graduated from Lincoln University, but you would go get a master's in journalism. What made you decide that you needed more? For the people out there trying to decide and kind of in limbo, should they get a master's or should they not get a master's? Tell them why they should. Wow, wow, wow. That's a great question. So I played college football at Lincoln University. So I only had time to do stuff really kind of during spring ball and for a little bit of the spring semester. So a lot of my internships while I was at Lincoln University were on campus uh, because Lincoln is also in the middle of nowhere. We're about 45 minutes to an hour away from Philly. So it kind of wasn't conducive to my uh, 
school schedule or workout schedule or actual football practice for me to get internships off campus. So I graduated Mass Com Honor Society. I graduated working for the school newspaper, the school sports department and all, had a radio show, TV show. But when I started applying for jobs, I wasn't getting any calls back. And luckily one uh, one sister was in HR. She said, hey, you really need, you don't have like internship experience or something on your resume off campus so when you're competing against other kids your age, of course they're going to get the upper hand on you. And I was like, oh, that makes sense. And then she went on to explain, like, for all we know, you could have just been working with a friend or a coach, and you don't actually know what it is you say you have on this resume. But if you worked at NBC4, if you interned there, we know what type of quality work just off of that name alone. I said, okay, that makes sense. So in my head, I'm like, oh, I got to get another internship or something. But they had just changed the rule to where you can't get internships unless you're in school because there was, like, work laws, work laws about, you know, interns working for free and all that stuff. So I had to go back to school. So I needed to go back to school. I wanted a fast accelerated program one year. So I picked American University because I knew American in the Washington, D.C. area has a great reputation for journalism. So I knew, like, if I went there, I would get into the field. So it worked out well. I interned at the Washington Post in the fall semester. And then in the summer of that same year, I, uh, I mean, in the summer of the following year, I interned at NBC4 Sports. Um, in Washington, D.C. So I got my two internships and those two things really helped me finally get my first job. I mean, it still came like a whole year after I graduated with my master's, but eventually it came. And so for me, it was I had no choice and it worked out and I would do it all over again. So let me ask you this. Right? You said you would do it all over again. When you were playing football, was there ever an opportunity or ever a time, I should say, where you was like, you know what, I'm ready to put the ball down and focus more on my career? So, kind of, but, so I knew I wasn't going to the NFL or nothing. Like, you can't be 5'7 and make it to the NFL unless you're, like, Olympic track speed. That's just how it works. So I knew that. And I, and in my mind, I actually thought I was doing all that because again, I was in the mass comm honor society. I had a radio show. I had a TV show. I was writing for the school newspaper. In fact, I was a sports editor. So in my mind, I thought I was doing everything I possibly could have in my situation. Uh, I don't know. Honestly, if I had to, if there was ever something to change, I probably would have went to a school that uh, either the campus journalism program is more respected, so I wouldn't have to, per se, go off campus as much, or go to a school that's a little closer to uh, a city so that I could intern 
during the school year, and it wouldn't be too far away. But in my mind, I did everything I possibly could have while I was at Lincoln. Um, so, you know. Wow, man. Well, you know, you. how was your internship at the Washington Post? What are some, like, your highlights from there? Oh, man, I loved it, man. I worked with uh, – I worked in the investigative unit department. You know, at American University, they are really into political journalism and investigative journalism. So it was a practicum course uh, under a gentleman named John Sullivan and Kimberly L. Kelly. I was working with Kimberly L. Kelly, and she was doing some great work about how uh, after the home economic bust, when everyone was foreclosing on their home, it seemed like they were only targeting minorities specifically Blacks and Hispanics. And it made it seem like only Blacks and Hispanics were uh, not paying their mortgages or getting foreclosed on. So she did a nice uh, piece. It was turned into a series just about how the credit loans attacked these individuals instead of actually going after their white counterparts. So she ended up winning... um, uh, Pulitzer actually for it. So I helped her with some of the data as far as putting them in like databases, making calls to the court system. Uh, we went up to like Baltimore to the uh, Supreme Court to find like uh, records on who got foreclosed between uh, certain years. It was crazy because you know, you were when you're only thinking about sport, you're so used to box score, who led the team, or like an inspirational story that helped propel the team to a win or whatever, whatever. Doing that investigative work really made me focus on kind of like the details and the numbers and how much goes into actually learning 50% 50% of people do this or 25% of people that are white have a lot easier chance to go past the foreclosure rate. So it was just very helpful. So like now, I, I if I was ever going to investigative work, which I probably won't, but <laughs> it was it was definitely, definitely helpful. It, it really shifted my mind. Yeah. Well, man, you know, I mean, you had a great internship experience, clearly. Uh, And, you know, a different, I should say, a different path, but nonetheless successful in college, earning your master's degree. So then let's talk about, you know, when you was with um, ESPN. And as you go Mm -hmm. right there, right after, well, actually, you had to stop first at youth1, right? Youth1.com? Yeah, it's funny. So, yes. I did go there first, but even before then, man, I was doing the freelance grind for a year. So I was working full-time at Hertz to pay the bills. But then after that, I would go to a local newspaper called the Capital Gazette, yep. uh, which unfortunately w- became famous because of uh, one crazy man went and shot and killed, I believe, 13 journalists. Uh, but I used to work there in their sports department. Um, as a stringer. So I would answer the phone calls. I would get the box scores, write up the little write-up that would just say, like, Jonathan Johnson scored 20 points in Arundel's win over 
whoever they played. Uh, so I did that. Uh, I did an online radio network calling DC Sports Games on weekends. And I worked a graveyard early morning shift at a radio station in Annapolis. Uh, 14.30 a.m. It was, like, from 9 p.m. to, like, 6 a.m., something like that. Uh, and I did all that while working at Hertz full time. So it was it was a grind. But then eventually I got to youth1.com where I was basically the mid-Atlantic reporter for all middle school athletes that were getting Division One football scholarships. So I covered New York all the way down to like North Carolina. Um so that was fun. That was fun. So so real quick, I'm gonna take a step back. Um uh, you talked about the freelance grind, right? <laughs> what, um how did you stay sane? I mean, you're doing your freelance work, you're out there grinding and you're working at Hertz full time, which means you're not just sitting around twiddling your thumbs, right? Um, you know, you help check out, you know, rental cars and stuff, which you can have some downtime. But I used to work as a car salesperson, so I know it's similar Ooh. but different. When you deal yeah. with people in cars, sometimes everybody get hit it. No pun it well, yeah, pun intended. Everybody get hits at once. So yeah, you're dealing with that. How in the world did you sleep? Bruh, honestly, I didn't sleep. I mean, I, I am a very uh, goal oriented and focused man, so I just, I just put my head down and grind it. Like, I knew what I wanted, and in my mind, I'm like, bro, I already went to grad school. I already uh, did this, did that. Like, I just got a little bit, a little bit more to go, and I knew eventually something was gonna pop. Like, you just gotta, you know, you put the work in. You know, you. I don't know if any of you're biblical, but if you really believe in reaping in what you sow, like I was sowing and I was sowing a lot of different places. So the only thing that kept me sane was just knowing eventually something was going to work out. Uh, and luckily it did. And then you won. And then when I went to NABJ, my first time, that was like the culmination of all my hard work. I honestly wish I would. You asked me what would I do differently? I'm going to take a step back. I would have went to NABJ as a freshman in college, as a sophomore in college, a junior in college. Because uh, when I finally went to NABJ, I finally got in front of someone. Uh, the HR, they weren't just looking at my resume or ignoring my resume, maybe because my name or something. But I had a few offers uh, from there. And that's when I uh, went ahead and interviewed for ESPN and accepted that one. Now, who did you, uh, who who was the person, if you don't mind, that, you know, changed your life when you went to NABJ? Who was the person who you got in front of? Bruh, okay. That's a great question. Who changed my life? All right, so I'll first say Kelvin um, Washington, K-Dub, and Darren Haynes. They had a intro to NABJ. It was like the very first session at like 8 a.m. And it was basically recommended for everyone who's never been before. Just kind of uh, give you a rundown of what to do, what to expect, where to go, how to move, 
And I think I asked like two questions in there. But I asked to them, I mean, Kelvin told me, he was like, yo, that was a really good question, and I like your tie. And from then on, Kelvin has been my mentor. So, like, I just stayed in his hip pocket, just asking him questions all day. So then he just asked, started asking me questions about where I've been, what I've been doing. And then I didn't know this at the time, but when you work for ESPN, uh, when you go to NABJ, you're tasked with finding young talent and then passing them on to HR managers. So what he did was he told me, like, hey, I want you to come to this, uh, uh, what was it, like a networking happy hour event. Um, and I had already applied for, like, a special ESPN, like, um, uh, networking session, but this was a different one. Mm-hmm. I guess in addition to it, and so him and Darren Haynes, uh, I've both, I still talk to both of them. Uh, I know they're busy, so I don't hit them up as much per se, uh, but I definitely talk to them. They changed my life, and then they put me in front of, I believe, Shalita Strong, and then I was put in front of the actual hiring manager for CAP at the time. Uh, for those that don't know, CAP stands for Content Associate Program. That's yep. ESPN's entry-level uh, associate program that they had for producers, which I wanted to be. And uh, I met – she went to Howard. Ooh, I forgot her name. But I impressed her. And so it just, the dominoes just kept falling. But first, the person that came alive was definitely Kelvin Watson and Darren Awesome. So let's talk about your career at ESPN. Um, what was so I was a part of the CAP program, so I'm very familiar with it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not sure. Do they still do it? So they they re they rechanged and switched it around. It's now called ESPN Next. It is now run by uh, oh wow, oh I forgot her name because I actually left by this point. But it's a new new director who used to be a PA, so she said she understands, and I think that's one of the biggest downfalls in my time there, because the person that was running the program didn't actually grow up in ESPN, so she really didn't know, like, how we were feeling, or if Mm -hmm. we were uh, really enjoying the experience, because she didn't go through it. She had no idea, so I think they're on a good foot. They're now, uh, it seems like they're really caring about not only the amount of work that they're able to do, but like giving more of a, a better work life balance. Yeah, do you, uh, well, we can talk about that later. <laughs> I, I was gonna say, who was the person? Uh, but if you wanted to, you would have said it. Uh, <laughs> what was your first, um, what was your first rotation? So I started in uh, highlights. Oh and, my uh, gosh! <laughs> for those that don't know, highlights—that's uh, where you become a man or a woman in certain cases. But at ESPN, yeah, you really—they find out what you made of real quick in highlights. Wait, they started you off in highlights? Yeah, yeah. So you—you you came fresh into Connecticut, thrown yeah. right in the fire. Wow. When did? Wait, let me. Because, uh, <laughs> what month did you start? <laughs> So I started, let's see, NABJ is in August. 
Mm-hmm. I was in there September 22nd or 25th. Wow, so our careers are almost parallel because I started in ABJ in August, right? And mine started uh-huh. September, 7th, September 9th, 2013. Mm. But I started in sales quality control, and I'm not sure if that's even still a part of it. But my job was, this sounds boring, but it was actually cool. For the first four months, like, my job was to basically watch ESPN shows. Uh, You know, at the time, you had First Take. This is back in the days of Numbers Never Lie and Mike Mm -hmm. and Mike in the morning. And I had to watch those shows and make sure that all the uh, stuff aired. And then during the weekends, I was responsible, like, watching uh, college football games. And really, it was skimming through it, making sure, like, the Buffalo Wild Wings spot was on there. Um, the Geico and the Nets and all that. All State uh, Net and all that stuff. Um, oh, that's important. They need to pay them bills. Yeah. And then I went to ABC News 1. Then I went to Highlights. But you yeah. started off man, you, <laughs> my brother. <laughs> How long was you in Highlights to start off? Bruh, I was in Highlights. Woo! Uh... Let's see. So I started in September. But I was in highlights for the following year. I left in August because I moved on to uh, NFL Live. Hold up. You was in highlights for 11 months? Bruh. Bruh. <laughs> boy, I tell you, boy. Because <laughs> I, I, I ain't gonna lie. You were a better man than me. I went, I don't know if he was still, no, I don't think he was there by the time you were there. I went straight to, um, Tom, uh, Tim McCarter, uh, man, I can't, Tom McCarter, and I straight told him, I don't like it. <laughs> I, uh, I would like to do something else, because highlights, I'm going to be real with you, and you, you, you know, I look, you ain't got to say it, you don't have to say it if you don't want to. To me, highlights was like high school. And it was very political. And if you wasn't on the end click, you didn't get the good games. And people will say, did you have to... No, I shouldn't say that. Not that you didn't get the good games. You wasn't a lot of times allowed to do cool stuff with your highlights. So for me, after a while, I did 26 highlights, and that's all I needed to do. Uh, And I had some very good highlight producers. Shout out to Marcus Patton. Uh, Oh, that's my boy. That's my brother right there. Marcus told me I believe to this day, Mark, God used Marcus to tell me that I was having a girl because during that time um, when my wife found out she was pregnant, a couple weeks later, Marcus sent me this video of this guy taking his daughter out on the first date. And at the time I was, you know, I was, like, oh, you know, but then I realized we have a girl and I still believe to this day that was the way the good Lord told me I was having a girl. Um but, you know, every highlight producer, just called for what it was, wasn't Marcus. Uh, shout out to another good one, Nelson Seely, who's no longer with ESPN, but he was another good one. Both of those are my brothers there. We're both proud girl dads. And okay. we, um, you know, so that was my experience. And like I said, I got out, man. I was there from, I want to say, March until June. Then I went to Mike and Mike. So you mm. went to NFL Live. Yeah. Yeah, and, and so I know that was a grind because every time I looked and saw football, anybody working with football it was a grind. Yeah, football is a grind. I mean, it is the it's America's number one sport. NFL Live is a ninety-minute show that's on like in the middle of the day. So 
what that basically means for those that don't understand, so if I come into work at 9 a.m. and we have our little show meeting, and that's over 9.30 or 10 a.m. So from 10 a.m., you have three hours to get a show completely ready, and that requires speed, skill, great judgment. So I definitely uh, grew very fast because I didn't have time to to be lacking for them. Uh, But I loved it. Uh, I definitely enjoyed NFL Live a lot more than Highlight. Uh, For the reasons you mentioned, uh, it was definitely – it was something. Yeah, so NFL Live, I really enjoyed that. Then after a year with NFL Live, the first season, they then put me on Get Up because now I'm considered a quote-unquote veteran and the whole uh, CAP program was starting a new show. So they said, Deontay, we feel as though you have done this, you've done that, you are reliable, et cetera, et cetera. You're creative, you do this. So we want to put you on Get Up. And working on Get Up was pretty cool because, like, now for the rest of my life, I could say I was a part of the creation of a show. And I helped with that. And I offered ideas that, some worked, some did. Uh, then after that, I went back to NFL. So I was on Get Up for um, maybe like February up until August. So now this is about to be my second year at NFL Live. And like you said, that is a grind. So I'm looking around like, all right, ESPN, I've, been, I've won Highlight of the Month. I've won PA of the Month. I've I've done everything that you could possibly do in this program. I haven't got promoted yet. So that's another thing that I really did not like about that. Because I was older. I wasn't, like, straight from college kid. So to me, like, I felt like they was playing with my money. So I had to get so up wait, on the TV side. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, go ahead. Go ahead. You can uh, When you say you didn't get promoted – are you talking about you didn't get promoted from production assistant to content associate or content associate to associate producer? So production assistant to content associate. So basically I was still the entryest of all entry levels, but I had already won the two awards that you can only win at ESPN. I won those in my first eight months. Didn't get promoted. Uh, I'm now on, about to be on my 24th month. Still with no promotion. Uh, I worked on premiere shows such as Get Up and NFL Live. No promotion. Uh, so the TV landscape was not something that I wanted to be in anymore because they showed me it don't matter what you do. Uh, so I switched over to Snapchat at ESPN, and that was probably the best time I had at ESPN. They, uh, if you don't watch the ESPN Snapchat show, please do. It's hilarious. It's funny. It's, it has great sports knowledge and nuance. Uh, went over you there. You Angela, they, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Angela, that's my girl. That's my girl. Yeah. Yeah, I met her at NABJ. You know, you know how sometimes when you uh you you go to NABJ, you have them impromptu lunches. Yeah. And yeah, she. I had an impromptu lunch. Me and my uh. My click, my Fab Five click, we had an impromptu lunch with Angela and some of her friends um, down in Miami. And oh, um, 
I went was it yeah five guys so uh and I knew I met her she was you know she told me she was a part of uh you know she was at ESPN of course like you know once you're an ESPN alum you're you're an ESPN alum you're in the family forever uh that's right I, I, and, and you know you being nice I'm, I have to say I'm very, I'm upset that you did more than what I did I thought me not getting promoted at 18 months was disappointing and I I mean I did some cool stuff but I did enough to get you know highly uh, skilled but you sat up there and won the highlight of the you said highlight of the month, right? Yeah, highlight of the month. Uh I won that like in my sixth month and I followed followed that up. I won Pierre the month for something I did for Black History Month. Right. If you grab I'm always put on. Now, now, yeah, and that's the thing. You did it with an HBC video. I wanna know, wait, what was the highlight that got you the highlight of month? Uh so I was tasked with uh, the McDonald's All-American game. So mm-hmm. what I did, that's a game that comes on every year. You probably have seen it a million times. But I was like, I like to do things a little differently. I said instead of us having these regular bars that just be like um, Wendell Carter going to Duke next year, what I did was I created uh, I created and like I put their logos underneath the player. Like it was like a video game and I had tracked that. So they had followed them wherever they went. So if Wendell Carter got the ball and you will see the D for Duke under, he's under where he's going. And then if there were questions, I mean, if they still were undecided, we put question marks. It was like a really graphically in tune, different way of showing some, that has been done uh, the same way for a lot. So because of that, I want to highlight them all. Wow. So, and I just want people to understand, you did something that's not easy to do. Sometimes you have highlights that just fall in your hand. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, and and just from my time there, um, I'm just going to spit off some that just kind of like jump out the mind that one highlight of the month. Uh, we go back to the 2013 Iron Bowl. Chris Davis runs the ball all the way back. No offense, like great highlight. Don't get me wrong. This is what I'm saying is never any disrespect to my former colleagues by any means. But that's a highlight that falls in your hand, right? Because the pieces just come. Right, and the you, play you, itself. Yep. You know, um, there was another one, Christmas in July. Uh, the Anaheim, excuse me, I'm so amazed. Los Angeles Angels do a thing every, uh, no, it's actually June, June or July, June 25th, where they do uh, halfway to Christmas, so summer Christmas or something. And they had a cool highlight, no doubt about it. Another one, Deion Sanders. Now, this one took some creativity because it was when Devin Hester broke the record. They merged it with the Deion Sanders uh, clip, you know, with him oh, doing yeah, the. Uh, I seen that. that was good. Yeah, that one highlighted him up. That's something that takes credit, like not credibility, but takes creativity. What mm-hmm. you did took a lot of creativity because you essentially took a game. I don't want to say that wasn't interesting, but that may not have been on everybody's radar, and you made it something where people was talking about. 
That's so, true. I was C block that day. So yeah. yeah see, so folks, for those who do not know, and this, I, I'm very happy about. You can see I'm excited about the show because <laughs> it's a lot of people that's listening that want to work at ESPN, and by all means, I send people there all the freaking time. But mm-hmm, one thing mm-hmm. about C block, you got A. Your A blocks is your first set of TV. Then there goes the commercial. The next is the Bs. Then it goes the commercial. That's the Cs. Nine times out of ten, unless you're not sitting at home doing nothing, you might be tuned out by the time the C block come around. Let's just call yep. it what it is. <laughs> um, and Mr. Smith here won a highlight of the month with a C block uh, game. So I'm still baffled that you didn't get promoted to content associate. And I don't know what it was, what the pay is. You don't have to go into it, but I'm going to go ahead and tell what the pay was when I was there. You got started at 32,000 and then you got bumped up by 5,000 to take you at 37. You know, now you got your little raises as you know, your monthly or quarterly raise. But for me, I, I was upset because I didn't get mine. Now, I'm going to give a shout-out to a person that you know very well. Shout-out to my man, Steve Brayband, because I was not <laughs> in on his unit when I left, because I would eventually go to the social media team. And I know we got some stuff to talk about that. I would eventually go to the social media team, and when I was on the social media team, he was my manager. And I kid you not, if I had to start off in social media, Nine times out of ten, I probably still would be at ESPN. No, I would say seven times out of ten, I probably still be at ESPN. Uh, maybe not because Brayband's gone now. But nonetheless, yeah. uh, he was—he was somebody like when I told him my story about not getting promoted, he was upset. He was like, "I didn't even know you at the time," and I'm upset. But um, so you would go to Snapchat. What was? Yeah, yeah. What was your hot? Like, what was some of your best times there? Oh man. So I'm gonna first say Steve Brayband, like you said, great dude. I I would go to war for him. I he left when I was there, unfortunately, but he was a great great boss, great guy. Uh, mm-hmm. some of my favorite stuff, so Snapchat, ooh man. So they let me do whatever I wanted. So like Le'Veon Bell at the time was not reporting to camp for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And this was before it was decided that he was not going to play the entire year. Mm-hmm. He tweeted out a cryptic text uh, with the hand emoji that said, farewell, Miami. So I came up with the idea to put Andrew Hawkins, who's a former NFL player, uh, who was our host for the night. Let's green screen him into clubs and parties that Le'Veon Bell has been at in Miami. And for those that don't know, like, on TV, they probably wouldn't have rolled for that. Like, we showing a, a football player in the club and the music videos. They probably would say, no. Snapchat, they were like, great idea, Deontay. Do it. I said, oh, shoot. Okay. Because this is, like, my first month. Uh, I used to come up with, like, ideas like that for TV all the time. And they'd be like, no. So I was very surprised. But they let mm-hmm. me do it. That was probably one of my favorite things ever because – uh, Le'Veon Bell, he he was big on his social media that year. I mean, he still is. So, like, I knew I had video of him doing a rap performance in Miami. I had video of him that he posted himself of an actual music video, and we took part of his, uh, his YouTube vlog series and put 
hawking there, and it was great. Like, we worked 7 p.m. to 5 a.m., uh, so I was sweet, but I woke up to so many high-up execs talking about, like, oh, this is this is really good, Deontay, keep it up, blah, blah, blah. So that was, that was like, first month, and then it kind of just kept going from there. I did a lot of really fun things. Like, they let me um, – I pitched an idea to make uh, Trevor Scales uh, a Rocky style of him becoming a Cameron Crazy because when Zion and RJ and Cam was there two years ago, all of a sudden everyone became a Duke fan. Like, it, it went from – okay to hate Duke, to now everyone loves Duke. So we mm-hmm. were just playing off of how everyone is all of a sudden a Duke fan, but you got to earn it to be a Cameron crazy. So we went to uh, Duke's campus the night before. We got some Cameron crazies to teach us some stuff. I mean, Trevor looks look. For those that don't know, Trevor Skills is a very strong man. So for us to make him look like a college kid and goofy looking, it was pretty funny. So that was one of my favorites, uh, but my most impactful thing was I created uh, a March Madness. So during the March Madness tournament, ESPN does not have digital rights because CBS owns it. So that means we cannot show you any video from those games. We can only show you pictures. Which means and normally, creative. Yes, and normally we lose our audience around that time. So I came up with the idea, like, let's just create a March Madness tournament and have our four main ESPN Snapchat hosts pick eight Disney movies, and let's have them battle it out in a 32-movie bracket. And how we're going to decide the winner is we're going to let everyone who's watching, they pick. All they got to do is share the snap of the one they want to win. And... For those that still use Snapchat, y'all know you don't really share snaps. So the idea was a little off the wall, but we quantify uh, shares. Like that's something in analytics that we care about. So when I came up with this idea, they were first like really hesitant, but they let me do it. And then the first night we got over 40,000 shares and that, that quadrupled the average night. So at the end of our two and a half weeks, when we finished, we had over 640,000 shares. And again, Snapchat is not a sharing thing. Like there's no link that you could just pass on like Twitter and Instagram. So to get that many, that it broke ESPN Snapchat records. Uh, it's now become a model that they still use to this day. Like that's probably the biggest, most successful thing that I have put together while I was at Snapchat. And uh, I'm very proud of that one. Wow, man, that's amazing. Um, and, and you know, it's it's amazing to see. Like I said, our you know, we were at the they are two different times of the spectrum, you know, and we saw social media just to see how far it's come. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Worry yeah. so, about that. So what made you leave, and what led you to the XFL? Oh, man. So I love Snapchat, but working 7 p.m. to 5 a.m. will wear on anybody. So 
I think I was there for officially a year, but it my body was dead, man. It was it was fun and great, but like I would sleep all day and go straight to work. So then that so you're not getting any personal time to yourself. My I was barely seeing my daughter. I am a girl dad as well. Um and that it was hurting me. It was hurting my family lifestyle. I didn't really have a work life balance. So one day, uh an HR person found me on LinkedIn and asked me would I be interested. And I was like, I don't know, but let's let's hear what they got to say. And they were saying a lot of the right things. So I said, Okay, let's go on an interview, let's give it a try. And uh they said they really liked the fact that I have a very different social media background because I started in TV and I was really still doing TV, but just on a social platform. Like I wasn't per se a tweeter or someone who just makes tweets, but I had the capability that I could put on an entire show myself in theory. Cause I did eventually get promoted in Snapchat. I was associate producer there. Um, so things worked out, interview process went well, and XFL was like, we'll give you what you're asking for. I was like, oh, hell yeah. And the crazy part is when I first started, like, it wasn't, it was not planned or discussed for me to be on camera. It kind of just happened. Um, and I am really enjoying it because that's kind of how I started when I first left Lincoln in 2012, so to see uh, to see that the show that we're putting out is doing pretty well and that people are liking it, kind of um, full circle, I'll say. Yeah. Now, you you the XFL talk about mm-hmm. explain to people. You know, were you nervous? considering and i have to ask you this question were you nervous no considering the history of the league now i'm a wrestling fan everybody knows that i'm a diehard wrestling fan um naturally i'm a vince mcmahon fan um because he is the godfather of professional wrestling some people may not want to admit that so in 2001 i was all excited about the xfl and unfortunately it didn't last and then ESPN does a 30 for 30 next thing you know Vince doesn't take anything lined down so they decided to resurrect it were you nervous considering it didn't work before were you nervous to get involved with it uh yes and no yes and no so naturally like you said there I was 11 years old at the time so I kind of knew a little bit about the XFL didn't really know what happened but I saw the 30 for 30, and it uh, made me wonder. And there was another football league just last year, the AAF, that ended after its fourth, fifth game during the middle mm-hmm. of the season, yep. and people weren't getting paid. So those things crossed my mind. So in the interview process, I, I made sure to ask the correct questions, and they reassured me on a lot of things. But one thing that really stuck home was the XFL – had uh, a three-year kind of hiatus when they first announced, hey, we are coming back. So for three years, they built up capital. 
for three years they sat and planned. For three years they got they basically got everything they would need to get together to make sure that the league could withstand longer than four games like the AAF. So I felt really good about that because uh, I did a little research on my own. And uh, and I knew some of the players that were drafted in the XFL because they had their XFL draft before I got uh, before I got my job offer. So I knew the quality of football was actually going to be very good. Um, for those that don't know, San Francisco's 49ers, their starting running back, Mostart got cut by 16 within the past year, 16. And he just broke uh, playoff records for them in Russia. So there's a lot of athletes that are really good, but they just don't get a chance for whatever that reason may be. It could be the coaching system. It could be uh, injuries. It could be a lot of things. Or they could have come from a smaller school, and they're not getting the proper respect that they deserve despite their skills. Um, so the XFL has a lot of great athletes that were actually playing in the NFL, that were college All-Americans, that were big-time recruits. So knowing that, that also assured me that the quality of football would be good. And as long as the quality of football is good, people will watch. And we're not competing with the NFL. We're a spring league. So we're going to be running from February 8th up until April 29th or 28th. So there should be no reason why this one doesn't work. Compared to the last one, it kind of competed against the NFL, and I think that was one of the bigger failings of it. Okay. So what are you most excited about with the season? Uh, I am. I'm most excited about uh, kind of just seeing where the opportunity goes. Uh, like I said, if you would have asked me a month before I took the job, did I see that myself leaving ESPN for the XSL? No. If you would have asked me a month before I started on camera, did I see myself being on camera again? I would say no. So the XFL has pleasantly surprised me multiple times already. So I'm just excited to see where it takes us. I, I'm here for the ride. I am, uh, and I'm going to take advantage of the freedom and the creativity that they're allowing me to have. Because at the end of the day, it's I'm building my resume and my portfolio by putting out the best quality of work that I can while I can. Now, the name of the show is called Breaking Through the Glass Ceiling. Mm. What was the moment that you feel that you broke through the glass ceiling in your career? Wow. 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 Oh, wow. <laughs> you know, it's funny. Uh, that's a real, that's a, that's a good question. Because I, <laughs> I always want more. I think that's what keeps me motivated. But if I was to put a moment on it, I believe it's when I, my first day at ESPN. Like, I worked so hard to get to this place to do exactly what I knew I could do. That was the day. Okay. Yeah, because, you know, I'm sitting here listening, man, and I'm like, 
you got a lot of, you know, you, you, you've had a wonderful career and you just, you really still just getting started. Bruh, it's, it's about to get these. People used to always tell me your 30s are always going to be like your good years, and I am so looking forward to these next five to seven years because I'm ready to go to new heights. Uh, because I'm I'm expecting to be a social media manager soon. Like that is my goal. Like I want to call the shots because I still answer to people. So a lot of times, if they don't understand a social media point, like they'll shoot you down. For instance, I want to do something about macaroni and cheese on Thanksgiving mm-hmm. on ESPN Snapchat. And at the time, there I, I wasn't running the show. I wasn't an associate producer. I wasn't a big dog. And my counterpart who was in charge of the show was a white male. And it was like an auntie yelling at the kids for changing the recipe. And she was upset. It was hilarious to black Twitter or black social media period. He said, I don't think it's that funny. I don't see why we should put this in the show. And I'm saying, no, this is exactly what needs to be in the show. And mm-hmm. we had a nice back and forth, a respectful one. Uh, luckily, Andrew Hawkins was on the show that day. He said, hey, this needs to be in the show. You know, talent get whatever they want. So he helped me out. And that was the most uh, reposted Snapchat for our little show that night. So that was like a nice little feather in the cap. But I want to be in charge of social media, so I don't want I don't want to have to answer to people who kind of don't get it. You know, it's not just that's just a small example, but stuff like that happens a lot, like a lot. I wanted to do something about Migos at ESPN and the celeb- Quavo and the Celebrity All Star Game, and I kid you not, uh, a producer who was under the age of forty. Looked me dead in the face and said, Quavo? I don't know who Quavo is, but I like Jose Cuervo. And all the little white <laughs> people started laughing. They thought it was hilarious. Boy, I was heated. Like, stuff like that, I don't want mm-hmm. that. Like, I want to just be able to call the shots because I know. I mean, I've had a social media platform since I was, like, in the ninth grade with a MySpace. So, I grew up with this. I'm now exactly. about to be 30. Like, yeah, you worked in TV or you worked in journalism for 10, 15 years, but I've had a social media platform for 15 years. I know what's funny. I'm more in tune with what's cool than you are. Like, trust me, you know? But I'm ready to be a social media manager so I can run it, call the shot, and that's when it's going to get real, real good out here. <laughs> I, I tell you, man, um, it's, it's fun. Uh, I've had the honor and pleasure of switching over to the medicine side of things. And the difference is what's helped me was for three years, let's say up until October last year, I had, I answered the two minority women Mm. and Mm. they get it. Yeah. One thing they knew how to do, two things they know how to do. They know how to put people in position who are experts at what they do and let you take control. And they know how to you look at your skill set and apply it to what works for them. If you would have told me, Brian, you're going to leave ESPN and go back to Johns Hopkins, the place where I worked in as a 
in nutrition in a storeroom, which is a warehouse setting. If you had told me that I was going to leave there and then leave ESPN, the dream job, go mm-hmm. to Hopkins and travel across the country quite a few times, I there's no way I would have believed you. But right. I utilized the skills. And I even said this in one of my presentations I had to present to um, the department. I said, I utilized my skills at ESPN and applied them to Hopkins. I look at doctors when we have these events and they do their, their uh, talks to their peers. I look at mm-hmm. interviews with them as post-game interviews, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, and, and it's amazing that where, you know, this business could take you and, and you look at a guy like, you know, I'll give another shout out to Steve Braban and this, to Marcus Patton. You look at people like them. We, everybody talks about the, Coach, you know, they talk about the tree of Bill Walsh, right? Or the tree of Bill Belichick. And they look mm-hmm. at coaches under them. I mean, Andy Reid just won his first Super Bowl, but a guy who was under his tree is a team, you know, my team, the Baltimore Ravens, John Harbaugh, come from Andy. Mm-hmm. They look at them and they say, wow, they got these coaching trees. But, you know, you look at a guy like Steve Braven, he's like, you, he's got me. Um, you know, it's a Fox Sports out LA. It's quite a few people I work with um, that was at ESPN, you know, and that's the cool thing about social media. You keep in contact with people like, wow, like they're at Fox, they're at Fox. And this was at Fox, you know? Um, mm-hmm. And now to see all the great things you're doing with the XFL. Um, so are you, where are you stationed now? Like you, are you, I know you're not back in Houston no more. Where are you stationed now? So I am in, so I still live in Bristol, Connecticut. Uh, but I Why? <laughs> <laughs> so I bought a house out here. Um, oh, well, that makes and, sense. And in my mind, I'm not moving again. The next time I move, I'm moving back home, PG County, baby. I am. I'm trying to be. Whenever the good Lord sees fit, <laughs> okay. I will be back in PG County, um, doing what I love with. The people that I love, uh, but yeah, so I'm not moving. Stanford is the area near Stanford. For those that don't know, is right outside of New York City. So mm-hmm. you're paying basically New York City prices to live in Connecticut, and trust me, you would not do that either. It is Connecticut is. I can't. I I don't want to go into tangent about how whack Connecticut is. But yeah, I'm not paying those prices to still live in Connecticut. Now you, um, you still, you say you're still in Bristol. Uh, man, uh, you had any uh, wings over Bristol wings? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, how about yeah, some J yeah, Tim's? Like yeah, uh, that's ooh, that's so J Tim's double fried. Yeah, uh, wings. <laughs> them those things, those things are good. They you are know, really good. That was one of the best parts about working in social media because on nights of like um, NBA finals, I was there, you know, mm-hmm. when Curry and them won their first title against LeBron minus Kevin Love minus Kyrie Irving. And mm-hmm. but every day of that week, or every day there was a game, we had wings. Um, yeah. So I that part that. was. Yeah. Uh, did you get a chance to. Um, now, do you work? You work remote? Uh, so currently or back at ESPN? No, currently. Uh, currently, 
not as much. Like, there are some opportunities for it. I have the capability of it. But mm-hmm. at the moment, because we are kind of just really starting up, they prefer everyone to come in the office as much as possible. And where is that? Uh, is that in Stanford? Or? Yeah, it's in Stanford. So it's oh. an hour and a half commute every day. So it's around the corner from, like, the WWE Studios? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's real close, like. Like we're we're like in brother sister buildings of one another. So I gotta ask you this: Have you met Vinnie Mac? <laughs> Everyone has that. No, I have not met him. Uh, and you know what? I think that's I think that's a good sign because if he was worried, if he was nervous about some of the things that we're doing, he definitely would have shown up. As you said, like he has his hand on everything. So for him. To still be a, a look, not necessarily present is a good sign. Yeah, because well, he's present in wrestling, from what I understand, and I guess with this being WrestleMania season, which is going to be very interesting this year, WrestleMania being in April during the season of XFL, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I'm looking forward to this one. But man, um, before I let you go, what? kind of advice what would be the lasting advice that you want to give people and then let them know where they can find you okay uh lasting advice that i would just tell um everyone is um don't allow people to put you in a box whatever that box may be if you see yourself as hypothetically um a producer or a reporter or a social media um, editor. Um, no matter what job you're working at, do that well, but still continue to strive for um, the role that you truly believe that you deserve. Um, the grind always pays off one way or another. And as me and Brian have said, like we would have never thought our careers would have taken us where we are, but the ride has rewarded itself, and we are enjoying it. Um, definitely get linked up with NABJ because, honestly, NABJ is what got me to ESPN. Uh, all the hard work that I was doing would have never been seen. I don't know why the computer systems wasn't letting my resume live, but as soon as I met someone in person, I talked to someone in person, uh, I was able to finally get to ESPN and my career is taking off from there. Uh, so do those things, uh, trust in yourself. And uh, if you want to follow me on Twitter, my name is D Smith Report. Uh, and then on Instagram, it is, that's a little more uh, non professional. It's <laughs> K underscore Montana. That's T E Y underscore. Montana like the state. Um, but thank you so much, B. Like this is this is great and I hope it helps someone. Yeah, man. You know, I'm just excited to have you on here. Like I said, definitely appreciate you coming through, man. I we could you know, we could continue this for two hours. Uh you know, I'm definitely gonna have you on again, I'm sure. But you know, I, I know that, you know, I saw the grind and um, you know, going through my timeline, I saw you at the in Houston, and, and I was like, man, first of all, let me hit you with a retweet. 
Uh, but I was just, you know, I was very happy. <laughs> of course, man. You know, I always say we all we got, and then you know we brown here from Maryland. Even though you know Baltimore, we say Baltimore. We don't, you know, when we go out of town, people say where are you from. We tend to say Baltimore, but it is a part of Maryland. <laughs> Without a doubt, I guess you, brother. Yeah. All love, all love. Yeah, but real quick, one question: Will I see you in DC, July eighth through July twelfth, as NABJ and NAHJ merges for the convention oh, this year? There is no way you won't see me. I was mad about why I wasn't in Miami last year. I'm definitely back home in DC. I gotta show up. I can't wait. Yeah, man. <laughs> well, ladies and gentlemen, Dante uh, Deontay Smith coming on board. Make sure you give him a follow. Make sure that you listen, because he had a lot of great things to say. And you may, you know, a lot of people, you know, I'm, you know, I think what I'm excited about is having people that I've talked to and give my stories about what they need to do in this business to kind of stand out. And some of them listen, some of them don't. So now to hear from somebody else who's still in sports, you know, because sometimes people look at me, but you ain't in sports no more. I'm not in sports right now. But to hear from you, man, I'm glad. Ladies and gentlemen, make sure you listen because Mr. Smith has spoken. Thank you, my brother. Thank you. I appreciate you. Wow, what a story from my guy, Deontay Smith. Ladies and gentlemen, next week, I'm bringing on another gentleman from the XFL. This time, I'm bringing on the DC Defenders beat writer, Malik Obi. So, I'm excited to bring Malik on. We work together at Fox Sports 1340. He's also a graduate of the great Morgan State University. So, we keeping it local for my Marylanders. You know, I'm from Baltimore, and we... We are part of Maryland, but we stand out by ourselves. But Deontay's from PG County, Malik's from PG County. So I'm excited to have two great brothers back to back. You know, we had a lot of ladies on, but now we got a string of brothers coming on. So here's two coming back to back. So make sure you tune in, subscribe if you haven't already to the podcast. Next week, Malik Obi will be on here. Ladies and gentlemen, remember... Always do your best. Do not let anybody set up a glass ceiling that you cannot break. And forever, 824, we out. Podcast is brought to you by B Waters Productions. It is produced and edited by myself, Brian H. Waters, with the music brought to you by Hypnosis. You can find Hypnosis on Instagram at hypno underscore beats.